Hello, welcome to the Cosmic Eye Show. I am your host, Jason Napolitano, and I have on the phone Mr. Ross Toro. What is up, buddy? Everything is cool, Jason. How about you? I'm good. Now that we've worked out our little technical difficulties, we've got the <laughs> podcast up and running. A couple of old dudes trying to figure out the kids' technology is what's going down here. So we're making it happen. Uh, I brought Ross Hello? on because are you here? Are you there, buddy? Are you there, Ross Toro? Yeah. No. You there? Okay. Was that me or you? I don't know. I I don't know. The beauty of it is that we're just going to leave that in the podcast because I know you're pressed for time and we'll just roll on forward with it. All right. So let me introduce Ross. Ross and I have been training in martial arts at Screamer particularly. We worked on some boxing stuff and some different internal arts and things like that for many, many years. We've known each other for what, like almost 10 years now or more? I think so. Yeah. I think, right? Yeah, about, yeah. Something like that. So we actually met uh, much like uh, my friend Scott, who I had on uh, the last midweek uh, show. And we met with uh, while training with GM Nene Gabukayan uh, of uh, the Balintowak system in Los Angeles. He teaches out there and he's a, a fantastic teacher. And Ross is, uh, is uh, one of his students. And actually now you are teaching of your own accord, right, with him? And you're helping out with a lot uh, of the classes and stuff? Yeah, I, I help them out with uh, new students and things like that. Okay. So it's, uh, it, which is uh, actually part of the learning process of, uh, well, as you know, it's better, you, you learn a lot more teaching than it, than it is getting fed um, like that. Because then you have to think for both yourself and the student receiving the techniques. Yeah, that's so true. Because I mean, it's like on you're you're trying to you have to think of both sides of the equation, the attack yeah. and the defense, you got to be able to explain both and you got to be, be dynamic and, and, and engaging at the same time. It is a, it's that's like the next level for sure. So exactly. you, you got you actually I want to just talk a little bit about your, your just your background, you don't have to, you know, go into like too many details. But how did you first get uh started in martial arts because really what we're going to talk about today in this brief thing ross has actually got some appointments and stuff pretty soon so this is going to be a pretty short show but we wanted to train a little talk a little bit about training mental training and some of the attitudes that you need to be successful in and you know in life and in martial arts so anyway your background a little bit how did you get started in martial arts what was the first where did you first start and when did you first start well i had a five page uh uh thing about my background but i'll skip <laughs> yeah i bet you did i bet you did and let me let me just dig that out real quick and i'll start reading in 19 in 1981 ross began his his, his meteoric rise to the top in the martial arts world under yeah okay i was born you know, I, <laughs> yeah you were born in 1981 weren't you buddy <laughs> yeah you 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 and me both <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I got my start uh, in kung fu, and, okay. and I think a lot, of, like a lot of kids, you know, they uh, it was a little bit pre Bruce Lee. So I would I I I learned uh, uh, Tian Shen Pai in uh, in Maryland, where where I grew up, under. Um, Dennis Brown and uh, Master Willie Lin. So that was my basic. Uh, That's like the foundation where you started. Yeah, the foundation, yep. which is like a northern Shaolin style. Okay. A lot of kicking and things like that and weapons. Okay. 
So I was there. I was there for a while until I broke my hand. Oh, geez. <laughs> and then uh, my mom said, well, maybe you should think about it because you're an artist. So you might not want to uh, break your hands. Yeah, for instance, you, you need your hands to draw. <laughs> yeah. So uh, after six months of healing, I said, "Nah, I think I want to go back. <laughs> there you go. It's not going to happen again. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, and, and, you know, and then I met other friends through that and, um, you know, dabbled in some more uh, Chinese uh, martial arts. I, I somehow was drawn more to the Chinese style because, I don't know, I, I resonated more with me than, than other arts, okay. even though other arts look intriguing to me too. Yeah. But um, let's see, the second, what would I, the second part that I got interested in was the Filipino martial arts. And which... I, I will share with the listeners that you're, I mean, your, your background, ethnically, you're, you're a Filipino. So this, right. Yeah. So did that resonate with you? Cause it was kind of like, you felt like it was in the blood and in the culture and stuff like that. Is yeah. That... I grew, I grew up in the States and, you know, Growing up, I saw Chinese martial arts, uh, Japanese martial arts, Korean martial arts, and I'm going, "Hey, man, what?" When you were a kid, right? You saw yeah. that stuff in the movies and all around, and in the kung fu magazines, just like we all did, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I'm, and then I saw uh, actually Guru Dan and Bruce Lee, and I said, "Wait a minute, that's Filipino martial arts. That that looks pretty cool." And for those so, listeners who may not have seen that movie, what was that in? Uh, wasn't that Game of Death? That was Game of Death, indeed. It was yeah. in the Pagoda. Yeah, that's where that's <laughs> where that's where Guru Dan was. So, yeah, yeah that was I my... saw, remember Enter the Dragon with the uh, with the double sticks. He used double sticks in that too, and that but that was yeah. actually from what he had learned from Guru Dan, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which is super cool. And that was, I think, most people's introduction to Filipino martial arts, even though they didn't know that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, and little, little would I know that, you know, how many years after yeah. that I actually, you know, met Guru Dan and he's... he's well, now you, you guys have cow. been working with him, right? I mean, he's training with, with, uh, with GM Nene and, and, your, and the group up there in the, at Barnesdale Park, right? Right. Exactly. We're, That's super cool. Yeah. So it, it's kind of like a, a a nice circle there. And I know you've got, I don't need to get into the whole history, but I know you have more than 20 years of, of you know, Filipino martial arts under your belt, probably more and m- multiple different styles that you're familiar with. But, you know, now, I mean, you're, you're, main, you're mainly uh, working with Balintuak, right? That's your main. Right. Okay. And that's a style, I, I talked a little bit about this in, in the, last, the last show, but that's a style, it's a very popular style, a very effective style. And I'm, I'm obviously both of us are partial to it because we both studied it, but, mm-hmm. um, but it is also uh, well-respected in the martial arts community and well-sought after. And uh, our teacher in particular, GM Nene, is, is known as one of the finest uh, martial arts teachers in the world. He's, he's one of these people that kind of flies below the radar, though. He's not a self-promoter. And often, no. oftentimes the great teachers, you know, the great grandmasters are just like that. And so people don't know about them until they're they're gone, which is unfortunate. So but uh, let me point this out that the cool thing is GM Nene 
is, you know, and, and people like Ross who are training with him and stuff or who also teach and are moving into doing that stuff themselves. You know, the lineage is still still quite alive and still still there. And you can get you know, you can you can get that today, which is super cool. So exactly. And he's not that far from he's only one generation from the founder. So, yeah, and that's huge. And I, what I was going to say, though, is Balintoa comes from Cebu. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, right. the main founder uh, and founders. It, can you tell us a little bit about that? Right. The, uh, the founder is Anseong Bakon, and he he was with the, um, uh, I hope I'm saying it right, Labangon La La uh, Fighting Club, which was in Cebu, which included uh, the brothers, the Cañete brothers from, uh, from uh, Dos Ipares. Dos Ipares, so, yeah. Yeah, and that group, uh, is where uh, where Balintawak came from. You know, uh, as with most organizations, uh, after a while they tend to fracture and go their own way. So, sure. uh, Anshim Bakun decided, you know, oh, I'll, instead of the double sticks or the the knife and 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 stick, I'll just stick to single stick and use the the empty hand. You know, my way. So that that's kind of how that evolved. And, you know, Filipino arts, for those who are not that familiar, share a lot in common, I would I would argue. And maybe we're the precursor in some ways to uh, to like a sort of form of what we know today as MMA. Right, Russ? I mean, you've got like boxing, so. wrestling, judo, different Aikido yeah. moves, stick fighting, knife fighting, all kind of mixed together in a very practical way. You know, people right. don't you know, now we don't see a lot of that, you know, the real practical stuff that it, I mean, this is basically super training for for street fighters. Right. I mean, this these guys were living exactly. in dangerous conditions. I mean, people were literally getting attacked with knives, machetes and sticks all the time in the Philippines back in the day. No, I mean, it was it was right. dangerous. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, this uh, they these techniques have been used oh, since, I guess, the dawn of whenever yeah whoever yeah. was there first because they they as with most arts well i i shouldn't say that because japanese is might be a little different but you know the the fma filipino martial arts you know have a lot of influences that from china from japan from from uh indonesia sure and and you know all the pirates and and people who traded with the people there they you know of course traded more than just goods they traded techniques and knowledge and ideas exactly. yeah yeah for sure so it's kind of neat that it's still evolving and you know now everybody's picking up everybody else's uh techniques and see what resonates or works for them yeah, and it's interesting that, you know, it resonated so strongly with Bruce Lee because Bruce Lee's uh, sort of, what do you want to say, sort of philosophy, you know, martial arts was very much in line with what Filipinos have been doing for hundreds of years in that you take what's, you take what's useful for you, adapt it, and you discard what isn't. It's almost like I was thinking the other day about how Filipino arts and Filipino culture is it's so, I think it's so strong and it's so powerful because it's been colonized and mixed and, 
you know, and, and, and met and visited by so many different types of people and the Filipino people there take a little bit of something from each one of those people and learn from them. And then they adapt it. It's like, mm-hmm. like in the second, you know, and it was, it was right. funny because my last name is uh, Napolitano, which is mm-hmm. Italian, obviously GM, GM thought I was a Filipino when he first, <laughs> when he first encountered by <laughs> name, well, Italian at heart. he did. Right. But he, he, he yeah. was like, we have Napolitanos in the Philippines. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. So it's like, yeah. you got a little bit of everybody there. And Filipinos have such an interesting way of like adapting all of those pieces. Like, you know, like I, you go down to, for example, like you'll have some food at like a Jollibee, which is a Filipino fast food restaurant. And, you know, there's this specific sweet spaghetti and fried mm-hmm. chicken. And obviously those are not native, you know, to the Philippines, but they've been adapted to the taste of the people there. And, right, and, and right. you know what I'm saying? And, and that's a yeah. good lesson from Filipino arts is to take the things that you learn and adapt it to your own self, your own needs and your own abilities. Right. Right. And, you know, the F- Filipino martial arts also were influenced not only by other Asian arts, but also European arts who visited. So it's it's kind of a kind of a neat thing that you can sometimes trace certain techniques certain styles well you might see fencing from from france right or fencing from italy or different types of uh different types of those those uh those those ancient uh, european arts right so right so it's it's uh it's kind of like a melting pot in a way yeah and uh you know that that's kind of what you know, in the beginning, I didn't know much about Filipino martial arts, only that, you know, you hit two sticks together and hopefully you don't get smacked in the hand or the head. <laughs> or cracked above the eye like, like it's happened to me exactly. two or three times. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, you, you, you bounce around trying to see what kind of uh, style, uh, you know, fits with, with you. But, you know, originally I actually and this goes back to the chinese arts i actually was kind of trying to find healing arts which led me to the internal arts mm. and you know there the healing arts are also a big part of the filipino uh, uh, martial arts although not many practice it yeah uh, mostly i think mostly i know virgil apostol he's uh He's currently he's an author and uh, about and he has a, a book or two about. Uh, I love about I love healing. his book. Yeah, I love his book. That's one of the lesser known aspects of the the Philippine arts, as is the idea. We've talked about this a lot, you know, personally between us, uh, anting anting, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's a concept of uh, a protection or a talisman or some sort of object, the power that protects the 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 holder or the user of it from from attacks and from from death or from harm uh mm-hmm. hunting hunting right and right right that's one of the inter- really interesting uh, aspects and, and a lot of times there's there's different forms of it too which i've found really interesting some some are more natural like some people will find a stone or they'll find a a, a particular pebble or or maybe there's like a a magical operation where you've got to get a black cat bone or something. I mean, I've heard all of these different, different types of tales and you've got also like um, those, the undershirts with the, uh, 
with the different talis- tal- talismans on them and different images and so on and, and religious mm-hmm. images that protect the person that's wearing it and stuff. And those, those are really interesting aspects of the Philippine arts that, you know, not too many people hear about, you know, I, one unfortunate thing about martial arts these days um, and this kind of happened, I guess, when they reached the United States, it was much like happened to yoga is it became a physical, strictly a physical culture type of thing. So it's like, mm-hmm. or, or a self-defense thing. And, and we've almost kind of lost some of the connections to the internal, which I'm glad you were talking about internal there, um, and to the spiritual connections of martial arts. People just think it's violence. And the violence is the least important aspect of the art in my mind. I mean, that's, that's right. the sort of business end of it. The rest of it is like, this is the spirit, is the intention, is the will, is the mind, the mental aspect of it that you're bringing to it, right? And, and, and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Exactly. Now, I mean, well, from the multiple arts I've learned, I think it comes down to communication between two people, whether you're fighting, whether you're talking, whatever. Uh, to me, I mean... My teacher, uh, Master Wei Lan Choi from the Luiho Bafa system, he's in Chicago. I think he's retired, though. He taught me the importance of, I mean, probably the other arts before that showed me the importance of listening to your opponent. But he actually was one of the first ones who showed me how important it was to not only listen with your ears, but li- listen with your eyes, listen, you know, for your opponent's intent through your hands and through his eyes or whatever. It's like and, an intuitional listening. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it was um, the way he taught it and the way he applied it made a whole lot of sense. So it, it was uh, it was eye-opening for me that somebody like like that can kind of basically read what I was going to do. Because at at that point, I had a few years already in martial arts and also uh, uh, FMA. So I would try to stab him a couple of times. Not, <laughs> you know, not in a drill. Not for real, in a drill. <laughs> not for real. <laughs> and, you know, he was able to, to read, you know, my moves. Your intention, so, in, yeah. in essence, right? Your intention. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's okay. He, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. So, please. Yeah, he was he was very, and that's what he wanted. He knew I was interested in interested in, and that's what he kind of like basically showed me is like, how do you read your opponent without getting too excited about? Well, you know, when you're fighting, you're you got you got many things going on. Yeah, and somehow you have to find a way to calm everything down yeah a lot of people talk about finding that center or that meditative state or that it's almost like you find a like the calm in the in the middle of the storm in essence mm-hmm. right you, you're that yeah. you're that still point in the middle of it so i know yeah. i know in the I, you know obviously i've written i wrote a book about meditation and you know i've been meditating for many many years and and that's one way to develop that another way is some of the the exercises that you do in internal arts, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he actually, all the forms we we learn, he called them uh, moving meditation. He said, if your mind is too busy about what's going on, you know, over there with your 
with the other people in the room or the fly on the wall or the bird up in the sky. And he said, that's not good. That's not going to work because you have to actually be mindless yet mindful at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tough because it's hard to get your rational mind to wrap around that. But that's the thing is you're trying to get your rational mind out of the way. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're using it when it's necessary, but you're operating more on instinct. And it's like you see that in these these grandmasters and you see that like like with our teacher, GM Nene. When he's teaching, when he's engaging with students, when he's dynamically working with people, he'll have someone throw a strike at them just indiscriminately. He'll have a, someone, let's say he wants, OK, just throw a strike at me. And you watch how he reacts and it's like it's it's kind of magical it's like he's tapped mm-hmm. into that place where like the intentionality of where they're going with that strike and what he needs to do and ev- all these different factors the angle the speed the power at which they're delivering all this stuff is being computed like in nanoseconds and you know it spontaneously comes out in in some kind of a, a move that that's genius that you know that yeah. that might he might not have even thought of up until that point it's coming out of himself because you'll ask him like well how did you do that and he'll have to go back and think about it that's Mm -hmm. that's the level that we're trying that we're trying to reach right Right. in our martial arts it's like a spontaneous good good move comes out of you because you've trained so long with so much focus and so hard but you've also let go at a certain point right and you're not worried about it you're not tense Ten- no, tension yeah. is the enemy of spontaneity and the and the enemy of good athletic performance in any realm. Would you agree with that? I I think so. You can't you can't be tight and expect to do anything good. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, and that's the same in in life, in art, in writing, whatever. It's like a certain grim, tense intensity towards like whatever you're trying to do kind of kills off the freshness. It doesn't mean that you right. don't have an intent and it doesn't mean that you don't bring power to it. It's just that you're not bringing right. attention. There's a difference. Yeah. It's very subtle. And I think that's what those internal arts and by, or the soft arts. And by those, and if you're not familiar, we're talking about Qigong. We're talking about uh, Tai Chi. We're talking about uh, some, some of the, well, talk about more of those arts because you're more familiar with those internal arts than I am. Some of the other arts that you've taken, the internal arts, Bagua. Yeah, Bagua, Xing Yi. Xing Yi. The Loyal Fa Fa system has most, all of those integrated in it. So it was actually difficult to kind of incorporate the internal with the external because it, you know, at the same time, you're moving your body, making mm-hmm. sure the joints move together, the arms move together and stop all together. So everything is connected. Uh, you know, uh, Master Choi would always talk about body mechanics and how important that is uh, to, to, to internal arts, because if everything moves at different paces, you're never going to be able to connect. And, but if it's connected, you're able to move your chi through, you know, whatever technique that you're doing, which, you know, after a while you're going, oh, yeah, yeah. I I punched the guy and it, it was effortless, yet you could see uh, the your target 
move even though he's what two three two ten two twenty pounds and you're going oh okay it it actually yeah works yeah exactly and and that's that you know that's that internal energy that you develop that gives you that 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 power that's that's beyond just mere like muscle power although that that's you know that's huge obviously the 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 physical side of it is is important as well but i think that once you kind of get to a certain level of technique it goes beyond that and even you know even with boxers with mma guys with you know combat sports artists and so on i think most of them will tell you like you know when you really start getting up to the upper echelon of performance it becomes a, a, a mental or spiritual endeavor, like your will to win yeah. and the focus that you bring to it and the mental attitude of, of being a champion mm-hmm. takes you, takes you, moves you ahead. And that's the thing, like even when you're beginning in these arts, to, you want to start to develop. And this goes, I think, for any sort of art, it could be, you know, it could be yoga, it could be, you know, painting or drawing, it could be martial arts, it could be. Uh, you know, anything. And it could be a new business, right? Um, Mm -hmm. You need to develop that right attitude, that concentration, that focus, and then that freedom from from tension in order to really maximize your learning. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of athletes call it being in the zone, even if they haven't done any internal or anything, that somehow the inside is connected to what's happening outside on the outside but the effort the effort just flows it's not nothing is fake it's you know in its purest form you're you're moving thinking and reacting as one what's a simple way that people can develop that habit um in their practice be it, like I said, be it art or golf or tennis or, or martial arts, what's something that you can think of that you can, you know, kind of leave the the listeners with so that they can, you know, develop that focus in whatever they're doing, like just kind of a couple of offhand things that you can think of that would be helpful. Yeah, I think for me, huh? it's mindful practice. It's uh, like if you're a boxer and you're doing a, a cross, mm-hmm. well, you could do that all day, but if you're not thinking about the technique and how your body moves and and if you don't have in your mind's eye, okay, my opponent is in front of me, I want to be hitting a certain spot, it's going to, you might, It's. I think it'll take you longer and it'll be less effective when you try to use it if you're not practicing uh, mindfully. Because if those two, if the physical and the, and the mental are not connected, it's, you know, you kind of get a watered down or cheaper version of what you could have had. So to build that, uh, that mindfulness, um, something I think that people can do, and, you know, you can add to this or disagree, but one thing I think is, is focusing on the breath while you're working and keeping the mind on, on the internal process of that breathing and then mm-hmm. connecting that to the exterior. So it's sort of a connection between the internal and the external world. Would you, would you agree? And Yes. I think, I mean, if you use your breath, you, you're able to know when to, when to expend the, that power mm-hmm. and when to draw in your breath and collect power. 
So after a while, it becomes natural. I mean, it, you know, it, like Master Choi would say, you know, the babies are like perfect internal uh, machines because they just do it. There's intent. And if you know, he's, he used to say, if you notice a baby grabbing your finger, there's not like, I'm going to squeeze it, uh-huh. but it's still, you know, they squeeze it and that's it. There's, uh, there's, there's pure intentionality. And, yeah, exactly. And you know, what's yeah. funny is babies are incredibly strong for their size. Mm-hmm. And, and exactly and, and we kind of lose that after a while because yeah. we get too many things going on in our heads and it's interesting also at the same time babies are unbelievably supple and pliable mm-hmm. and yet they're strong and there's there is that is something like like you know they talk about in Taoism like becoming becoming like a child again you know right. Jesus even talked about they have to become like a little child again in order to right. you know see the kingdom of heaven right it's the same kind of ideas that you got to get that freshness that freshness yeah. in, injected into that mechanical way of, of living. So I think that's, that's, that's a great point. Thank you. All right. Well, I'm going to let you go because I know you have uh, stuff to do today, but I greatly appreciate you coming on to the Cosmic Eye Show for our little midweek deal we're doing now. Ross Toro, Thanks. master martial Thanks, artist. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. <laughs> Hope to see you soon. Dude. Thanks, brother. And uh, thank you for joining. Well, actually, uh, thanks again, Ross, for coming in. Thanks for joining us, everybody who's listening to the show. Please support us uh, at anchor.fm slash Cosmic Eye. Uh, and have a great week. Goodbye and God bless.